0: I'm Rob Alderman, with me as always, my stalwart traveling companion, the Hollywood Slinky, with him as always, AMC Mike, and Slinky, you're fitting to pick a topic, ready,
1: go! Variety, the film magazine, just released uh, the top rankings, uh, they've basically said, let's take every single Pixar movie ever made, and that's like... 17 films and rank them from worst to best. Okay, okay.
2: Why would you do that?
1: And number it's like picking one, a favorite child. Number one was the original Toy Story. Yeah, are saying that's worst? They're saying that's the best. Okay,
0: is that what we're discussing? Is, is that the best? I think it is the best. I, I yeah. mean, it's tough to beat Toy Story. You don't think Toy Story 3 is stronger? No. No, I don't. I, I mean, I love them all, but I actually, I think Toy Story 1, you know, Toy Story 3 is like the thing that happens later once you love the characters so you can go a little bit deeper, right? right? But it's sort of like, you know, um, like
1: the Godfather, dude. Godfather 3 is great and all, but it's not the original. All right, so I'm going to, I'm about to to blow this list out of the water, though, and tell you why this list is is, is completely full of crap right out the gate. I think you're full of crap.
0: Cars. Is on the list. Number eight. Okay. What? It's, what? It's, yeah, it's crap. It's ranked what? It's, wait, how many movies? All of
1: them? That's right in the middle of the list. Okay, okay. The worst film that they've ever made, with the exception of maybe Cars 2, <laughs> With well, Cars. They made planes. No, that was Disney. That wasn't <laughs> Pixar. Okay, was I was going to say, let's be honest here. But here's the thing: Flames Cars, sucks. Com- Cars comes in ahead of Up. What? Maybe it's just because people cry so much during oh. Up. I don't know. Ahead of Finding Dory. Well, Finding Dory. We've not seen not it. even not. out yet. Uh, ahead of Monsters Inc. That's fair. I'm, ahead of Ratatouille. Ahead I'm, of Brave. No.
0: Yeah, I don't... I think it's probably... Cars is better than Bugs Life. Um, All right, what so do they rank worse? Here's
1: their top... Those were... The top five. Okay. Best? Top five top best. Top five best. Okay. okay. Number five, the fifth best Pixar film, WALL-E. Number four, right. Inside Out. I strongly disagree with that. I disagree with that. Number three, Toy Story 3, Sure, no, it can be there. Yeah, number two, The Incredibles. Yeah, it can be in the yeah. top five. I I don't agree with The Incredibles being in being number two because I don't, I, but I don't like it as much. What do you think is better? Other, but I would, but I, I think Up is better than The Incredibles.
0: I, really I think do. Up should have been in the top five. At I least. think Up should replace the Inside Out movie. Yeah, yeah.
1: definitely for that's sure. That's what
0: that's what I think. I, I I actually like this top five so far,
1: but I like I the, would put Up in it. I like the I mean I like The Incredibles, and I understand. It's accepted as being one of their best films, and right. so I'm clearly in the minority, and right. so I accept. I that. love it, too. but if I were to put it in the top five, it would have been four or five for okay. me, because um, I, I think Up is better, and I think Toy Story three is better. All right, um, and uh, and then Toy Story was number and one. and then Toy Story was number one.
0: I, I kind of like that top five list. I don't. I wouldn't put Wall-E or uh, and here's the deal. I know people love Wall-E just because it's so visually gorgeous. But kind of lagged in in spots. Now I, I loved the ultimate story that they told at the end. But right. I would have put Finding Nemo before I would have put before I would have put Wally, and I definitely would have put up I, I would I would have put Finding Nemo and and uh, up on the list, and I would have taken off Wally, Wally and I might have let Wally be like seventh.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think Inside Out is as good as as the world seems to think.
0: But. You know, the thing is, the right now, culturally, we're, like, in this place where we're putting a lot of uh, value on getting in touch with our feelings. And right. And so, like, it's sort of like the meta. Part of it is, like, the meta-narrative of um, of uh, The Incredibles. One reason everybody loved it was it came out when there was sort of this emphasis on returning to family. Right. And so, like, it was so huge to be, like here's this dad he's like working too much and now he's not really communicating with the mom anymore like he should and you know it's like that whole thing was kind of part of our cultural narrative when that came out and now we're kind of going through that again inside out is kind this, of like, like the hipsters pixar yeah 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 and, and, and but i think i think pixar's going to do that you know what I mean? Like, from time to time. That's, like, one of the things they do.
2: Well, Pixar's also kind of, you know, I'm going to say is like Disney, and I know that they're connected, so don't, you know, but but they're kind of like Disney, <laughs> golden Disney right now. Well, sure. Like, you you can't go, Dora's going to be awful. It's a Pixar movie. You're going to get cursed. You know, like people are going to flip out, whether Dora's good or not. Whether, you know, like, so, <clears throat> of course people are going, Inside Out was one of the greatest movies ever done. Right. It's a Pixar movie, you know, and they don't realize, you know, like for some Real. reason people don't think about Cars or Cars 2 Yeah, or I gotta...
1: Interestingly did. enough, they said the worst film Pixar ever made was The Good Dinosaur. I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, And, and Cars 2 is the second worst. I really dislike Cars 2. I dislike... <laughs> I'll be honest, I disliked both of the Cars films.
0: I I just the first Cars film I got. I at least understood. It wasn't like my
1: favorite, but I was like, okay, I get this. Well, I remember when you saw it, you had taken. I can't remember if it was Rusty or Riley. It's been some years, but um, I remember you telling me that like you you came out of it and went, well, that was the the biggest piece of garbage that Pixar has done. But boy, my kid ate it up. So it must have had something. Right, you know, like, yeah. Well, you know, just the other day, the boys saw, like, a commercial for Planes 2, I think, is getting ready
0: to come out, maybe, as well. <laughs> and Riley was like, oh, man, Planes. And I was like, why did you see it? Because you didn't see it with me. <coughs> you know
1: <what> Right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, they like them. And that's I'm it. just a little surprised that, that I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, th- I think when you talk about weak Pixar movies, you know, I think both Cars films, I think Monsters University... Yeah. Uh, that's the second Monsters yeah. movie um, you know I, those, those kind of stick out for me as the, the really bad stuff Toy Story 2 is a little is kind of hit or miss I think in its execution yeah um, but you know I don't
0: know it doesn't deserve to be at the bottom of the list though. Like, no no the not bugs, all. bugs like deserves to be near the bottom of the list because it's so dang esoteric and sort of boring in it's loftiness right. like it's trying to do a thing that it doesn't ever accomplish like and it's not like the like the bit characters were funny like that German caterpillar who becomes yeah. a butterfly and that I'm like that right. stuff is funny fly. the ladybug is funny but as a story it it flies too close to
1: the sun right or the bug you know? zapper and the you know the thing I remember yes. yeah. the thing I remember about about a bug's life is that I really liked it but I wished that I could have identified a little more with uh, with was his name Flick the, yeah. the bad guy the the bad guy, he was what? A praying mantis, I think, or something. I don't remember what he the was. The bad guys were the
0: grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. Come and eat the That's it.
1: And I just, I kind it. of felt like, I kind of felt like Flick, that the head of the grasshoppers. I can never really... They didn't... He wasn't an empathetic yeah. villain.
0: It's definitely the worst that Kevin Spacey's ever done. Right. The thing I remember
2: about...
1: That speaks a lot, because he was in k Packs. <laughs>
2: The thing I remember
0: about A Bug's Life is I don't really remember A Bug's Life.
1: Which says something. Right, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Like, and
0: see, to me, that's a lot like Wally. Like, when you think about Wally, it's like, what do you really come away with? Okay, people mm-hmm. trash the Earth, and Wally spent some time cleaning it up because for They're some all reason... All the time. Yeah, for some reason, he's the last of his kind that didn't go defunct. Right. And then the Earth <laughs> sends back, or the people send back a robot, and he falls in love with her. Yeah. And he follows her back, and what you find out is like... The humans have all become overweight because they sit in lounge chairs. And that's it, though. Like, that's good. And it's good like that because really, like, all of their interactions are done through, like, old-timey movies and old-timey music. So they didn't really get their own actual... Like, personality. Wally doesn't have his own personality. Yeah, right. His personality comes through all these other mediums. And so so it's a tough story to tell.
2: So it's kind of like Bumblebee...
0: Yeah, and,
1: yes. And who I hated, by yeah. the way, in that movie. Because Bumblebee used to be awesome, right? I liked. Um, the, it's like I feel it's kind of the same way about Ratatouille. <laughs> um, I remember, I remember really enjoying Ratatouille and thinking how fun it was. But but that's all I remember about it.
0: Here was the thing, you know, like it was fun. That's it. I remember loving Ratatouille and then going with you and Todd to see Ratatouille. Um, you and Movie Todd like a second uh, time, a second time, so that Rusty could see it, and having the absolute worst panic attack that I'd ever had up until that point in the theater, and so I spent the whole time like watching oh, Ratatouille, huh? feeling like I was going to die, but not wanting to leave because Rusty was loving it. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually I like Ratatouille. Yeah, I, I I think Ratatouille flies too close to the sun, but maybe doesn't quite crash and burn. So. That's like I want to try Ratatouille.
1: Like, like the The, food the dish? Real. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I,
2: I always feel like.
1: It's just what? If it it's kind of like a, goulash a and kind yeah. of Yeah,
2: but I'm just like, I always get frustrated in movies when they're like, they talk about this specific type of food, and I'm like, I have no idea. Even when they show it, you're like, I want to try it. Like, they should have little samples.
1: That's right.
2: Well, I mean, it's the same it's, with. Uh,
1: it's a traditional French provincial stewed Ooh. vegetable dish. Ooh. Originating in Nice. Yeah, you're not gonna like it. There's no meat in there. Yeah, I like vegetables.
0: Yeah, that's. Cool. I mean, I'm, I was talking about slinky. Yeah.
1: It's an easy summer dish, which is interesting because in America we think of stew as a winter dish.
0: Well, we're right. about to go into the winter dish of a break, dude. We're gonna we're feed about it, it to a, me, Seymour. Yeah, we're we're about to take a break, and uh, we'll be right back on light camera, Cleveland.
1: And we're back for real, totally. Uh huh. Yeah. You're listening to. You're listening to Night's Camera Cleveland. I'm the Hollywood Slinky. Rob and AMC Mike are here, and um, I think that I really feel like I need some direction.
0: It's because I'm gonna hit you. What? I'm just kidding you. You're Um, gonna hit me. That's how it always works. I'll never actually hit you. Slinky, will you please hit me with some box office numbers? Ready? Go. Yes. Yes.
1: Number five. X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, It's been out for three weeks. Made $9.9 million. 9, 9. 9 million. Uh, it's, it's been a while since I've done the box office numbers. $9.9 uh, 9 million, bringing its three-week total to $136 million. How does that make you feel? Um, like, maybe,
0: pff, bored? AMC Mike, do you want to see this movie or not?
2: I want to Netflix this movie. Man, me too. I totally am gonna Netflix this movie. You know what? I adore their their uh, Quicksilver. Yeah, he's awesome. And I've seen the clip of him running around in the mansion. And and it's awesome. It's awesome. And it actually, this movie makes me very sad because I love the X Men. I do. I'm not like I like the Avengers because you know they're all cool characters. But like I was an X Men girl growing up, and so like. Just watching these movies kind of being meh makes me very sad.
0: I feel that. I feel that totally. You know, for me, this is the truth. If it's my favorite character, it's going to suck. Yeah. And so, like, we've gone from Green Arrow, who is my second favorite character of all time, to Archangel, who is my very favorite, number one ever comic book character of all time. And now it's going to just suck.
1: Number four. Speaking of... uh, Huh. favorite comic book characters of all time sucking. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows $14.4 uh, million bringing its two week total to 60.6 Now you went to see that? I did AMC Mike did not I go did see not that. but I think it's important to note that AMC Mike is Ms. Turtles. I
2: am Ms. I Turtles. have a sash and everything
1: You have
0: a, <laughs> a, <laughs> you have a sash yeah. a sash and everything but you didn't go
2: uh, no, I did not go, because I do not like uh, what this incarnation of the Turtles is.
1: Yes, but tell us how you really feel.
2: I think Michael Bay needs to get hit by a meteor.
1: Number well, three. all right. Number three. Uh, now, now You See Me Too, bringing in $22.4 million in its very first week out. <laughs> Every time I hear that title, I just hear, Now You See Me also,
0: <laughs> I'm like, I'm bummed out that this movie's out already because I feel like I'm not ready. Like, I've been so busy. And, I, I,
1: like, I liked the first one. Really? I feel like I, now. I, I
0: like the first one. I did. One. I
1: feel like now you've seen it done. Like, but I don't you even, know that. I don't even, there may be something really neat in the next one. I don't even think it will be on this list next week. Oh, it may not. Hear me now and believe me later. This movie is not going to be on this list. Number three was Now You See Me. Also, also. Number two, Warcraft. Twenty-four point two million dollars in its uh, very first week out. So here's the thing about this: is that everybody
0: talked about how awful the trailers looked, and then everybody talked about how like awful the movie was going to be. And all the diehard Warcraft people were like, I'm going anyway, I'm going anyway. And I fell in the camp of people who was like, hey, that trailer is actually pretty good for being about a thing I don't care about. (laughs) I was actually really amazed that something could be completely CG and look CG, but still be smooth enough that I thought I could watch that for an hour and a half. And did it make you feel like you were going to throw up? Right, yeah. I I was watching it thinking, hey, you know. This the, has come,
2: come a long ways. The, the I, reason I'm so excited about this movie is that I don't play Warcraft. But the reason I'm so excited is because this is totally setting up for a real Dungeons and Dragons movie. Fair. And, you know, because I want Dragonlance. <laughs> no.
0: I, it's it's Time World. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> I'm not surprised that it's doing so well. There's enough. And
2: is it really doing well, though?
0: Well, it's in number two.
2: Well, yes, but I'm saying the, the numbers, like. You know, when it's grossed, it's
0: not really. That's alright.
1: Number one, The Conjuring 2 uh, at $40.4 million.
0: You know how I feel about this. Spooky. Yeah, I went to the first one and it revived my love of horror
1: movies. Alright, let's talk about The Conjuring so now, just I'm a gonna
0: second. I'm going to go back. <coughs> back.
1: Alright, so The Conjuring, right, <clears throat> is about those two famous uh, the two famous paranormal investigators. A husband and wife. And they go and they investigate this thing and they make this horror movie and this horror movie about it, right? Mm-hmm. And at some point in the original co- of The Conjuring, there is a brief sort of cameo by a scary doll. Yeah. Okay. So then they make a, a, a spin-off film right called Annabelle, Annabelle that is just about the, doll. the scary doll okay the conjuring 2 has a cameo sort of small scare again? by a spooky nun ghost okay they just announced today that they're making a film called nun and it's the it's Same a couple? spin-off it's a spin-off of But here's the thing. I just think it's interesting that they're using uh, these Conjuring films as launching pads for other franchises. I think it's cool because. It's smart. Right, it's super
0: smart. And remember, these things all come from their daughter's journals. And so when The Conjuring came out, they said if this goes well. We've got, like, five or six more we'd like to do. And I remember that the reviews were super even. Like, the interviews, I mean. Right. The interviews, they were like, look, we don't know. We don't know how much money we're going to get from the studio. We have no idea. But we have, like, these five or six stories that we'd like to tell. We think that this couple is fascinating. So what I think is neat is the couple is the franchise. Like... In a sense, it's almost like Indiana Jones, but horror. Right. You know, like, the they have their own personalities. Yeah. He's like this, like, telepath, spiritual adept type person. He's like this, uh, I think he's a Pentecostal priest, right? Or a Baptist priest. He's not Catholic, I'm, I'm but not he worked sure. with the Catholic Church. Yeah, he's Church.
1: not, yeah.
0: He worked with the Catholic Church, though, because that's where he learned his exorcism, right, stuff. And at the time, he was the only one that was um, not licensed, but whatever they would say, like, Ordained, blessed by right, ordained by the Catholic Church to perform the
1: exorcism. rites. Well, okay. I Ed and Ed and Lorraine Warren. That's it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I love the first one. Well, I it. I grew you know I grew up Catholic,
2: and so like. <laughs> ex- <laughs> um, so
0: like the yeah, exorcist that could go either way, right? Mm-hmm. I grew up yeah. Catholic. Is is this
2: how this podcast is going to go?
0: How this podcast always goes.
2: Uh, um, I love this type of movie because this stuff is truly scary. It really is. It really is. And like for me, like The Exorcist is like the scariest movie that's ever been made. For me,
0: you know. But The Shining. You think The Shining was scarier than The Exorcist? I think there's nothing scarier than those little girls in the hallway. Uh, there come is play some, with us, I mean, Robbie. Yeah, no, stop. Come play with us. No, stop, um, stop.
2: But, unfortunately, like, when I watched The Conjuring, the first one, there was nothing new there. I had seen every one of those scares or, you know, <laughs> tropes. There, there literally was nothing new. And, and so, like, I enjoyed it, but I didn't think it was this, you know amazing new movie
1: right
2: you know like um unfortunately the same thing is with the conjuring too like the the second one also the conjuring also um, it's just it I don't know it just seems like it's you know it's just the Exorcist with more than one kid and
1: more than one cross that spins on the wall. So you were in favor or not in favor? I don't know. I don't know. Because you kind of just went full circle I know. on us.
2: I know. She's just not. I'm not hating or grading this. Yeah, this it's isn't not the hate section. A great section. I'm just talking. Since you guys talked over everything else, I'm not talking. This is my time.
0: Since you guys talked over everything else. And then she's going to blame My you. time. Hey, she's going to blame you like you did a thing. You like, did shots, the thing. Shots fired. You did the thing. No, here I, I, the only thing I'll say about this, and I know we're not hating or grating it. Yeah, we're not, yeah. For me, it was a movie that actually tonally, like, I understand that, like, the tropes have been used, but cinematography-wise and tonally, and just the way that they told the story about this couple where you felt like the story was more about the couple than it was about, like, the possession, um... Actually made it feel way different to me and to millions of people because well, they were all like, also, "Wow, you know, this is so different." Also, so like,
2: though you know, you you haven't watched a lot of horror movies, right? No, I agree. That's what so, I, okay.
0: I agree with that. And all I've heard is so far is that the second, this new one, is supposed to be way scarier than the first. One. And
2: that's awesome. That's, I mean, I will definitely Netflix it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I, you
2: know, I I like
0: scary movies. So well, listen, important. if we can get Slinky to quit talking over, all I know. This would segments, you just? then Shush. when we come back from our next break, maybe someone else will be able to talk. Anything.
1: We'll be right back. Last word.
2: And we're back. Lights, camera, clean
1: so I just wanted to give her enough
0: space. <laughs> she wants to play tackle tonight. I'm just like, saying <laughs> that she's she's going after you. So like I normally I'm on her side except that I'm a little bit on Slinky side. <laughs> just a little. Normally
1: I'm fully AMC Mike and no Slinky. Well listen, we have been completely missing in action for like nine months or so. I've ten known months.
2: exactly
1: where I've been for nine months. Okay. I don't know. I, you win? Can we do the podcast now?
0: <laughs> listen, listen, guys, guys, dude, ladies, dude,
1: men, don't
0: don't give me the dude. Can
1: please, can we? I just want to do this new segment. Yeah. What's it called? It's called missing in action. <laughs> See, we have been missing in action for some time, and so I thought. Why don't we talk about some other things that have been missing in action? What else has been missing? Like some deleted scenes from movies. Specifically, the ten most expensive deleted scenes to never be seen in theaters. Ten, you say? Ten, I say. Ten? Are we going to do all ten? We, uh, we'll, we'll broach through the first couple kind of quick, and we'll focus on the lowest ones. That's for me. Or we'll just mostly just, if, if it strikes us, we'll talk about that. If yeah, it do not right. we'll move on. No, I'm good. Number ten was there's a jitterbug dance in The Wizard of Oz. Uh, now, all of these, I'm just going to say this, so I only have to say it once. All of these costs are adjusted for inflation. Okay. So that they're relative to today. Uh, this segment cost one million thirteen thousand six hundred and seventy-eight dollars. Uh, right before the the monkeys, the flying monkeys captured Dorothy. There's this scene uh, where the wicked witch unleashes the jitterbugs on everybody. Uh, it Was this like blue and pink mosquito creature that stings them, and then they break out in this like six minute long song and dance number. It took him, like, five weeks to rehearse it and film it, and it was, like, the first thing to be dropped because the movie wow. was so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. The uh, Interestingly enough, the the footage is long gone, uh, but the, the, the music, the song, because it, it was recorded in a studio, like right. the, rest of the, the song exists, but the, yeah. the video huh. footage... Or the actual film footage. footage gone. I'll see if I can maybe throw some of these up on our number, Facebook page. Number nine: the pie fight from Doctor Strange Love, costing two point one million dollars. Uh, the very last scene of the movie was supposed to have all the world's leaders, all of the world's leaders, in a conversation, and the conversation breaks down, and it results in the greatest pie fight ever recorded that on makes film. Sense,
0: actually,
1: um, but stu- and studio executives weren't a fan of this. Uh, and so they insisted that Kubrick shoot the whole thing in just one single day, um, but crew crew people say that it actually took them closer to like two weeks to film it. <laughs> uh, every day they used two thousand pies. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's fantastic! You gotta wonder where they
0: were even getting two thousand pies a day for two weeks. Yep. Um, well, it probably wasn't real pies.
2: So that's it probably a lot really of pie. Just whipped cream or something.
1: Yeah, uh, this I mean, <laughs> like like the Wizard of Oz. This footage is supposedly lost to history as well. Mm. Um, although there is a production designer who claims that he has recently seen it. Uh, the production designer from from uh, from Doctor Strangelove, but nobody knows if that's just BS or not. Nope. Propaganda. Okay, the eighth most expensive. Uh, was from Gangster Squad. Ah. Mm. Hmm. Oh, this one's not going to be not going to surprise you. Uh, Gangster Squad cut a scene that cost two million sixty thousand dollars because of the uh, Aurora, Colorado shootings that took oh. place uh, on July twentieth, two thousand twelve. Remember that guy went into the the Dark Knight. Returns yeah. screening yeah. And, and killed twelve people and shot like seventy other people. Yeah, um, there was the the gangster squad originally features a scene that took place in Grumman's Chinese theater where uh, gangsters attacked yeah. the audience with Tommy guns, uh, but it was decided by everyone involved that it just wasn't in good taste anymore. You know, because the film uh, hadn't quite come out yet; it was only like two or three months away from being released. So, so that was actually cut. You know, to nice to be nice to the public. Good for them. Um, so, there you go. The only you can still see glimpses of that in the original trailer if you go online and watch the trailer for that. Oh. But otherwise, you can't see it. Uh, number seven, big jump, eight point nine million dollars to reshoot. Yes. Everything that Eric Stoltz yes. had shot for Back to the Future, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Eric Stoltz was originally cast as Marty McFly in Back to the Future. They had shot for five weeks before they decided, uh, watching the dailies, that it just wasn't working. He just wasn't. Uh, right, he just wasn't Marty he McFly. Wasn't
0: McFly. Yep. And so, that's like the weirdest thing to me. Because yep. it's not like Stoltz went on to have a bad career.
1: Right. You know, but it just... You know, wow. sometimes the comedy is hard. Yeah. Yeah. And let's be honest, the tone of Back to the Future is tough. Kind of wacky. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, almost $9 million to reshoot Eric Stoltz. Number six, uh, Little Shop of Horrors original ending cost $10.8 million. The original ending for Little Shop of Horrors was more in line with the play, where uh, Seymour, the plant, ends up eating, basically... No. the plant is Audrey too. The plant is Audrey too.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Seymour is... Rick, 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 Rick Moran. Moran. Uh You're right, so... Everybody gets eaten. Everybody gets eaten, and the plants take over the world. And that's yeah. kind of how the play ends, and that's how it originally ended, but test audiences were like, uh, no. And so... <laughs> so Frank Oz, you know... Mm-hmm. Frank Oz redid it. Cost them a fifth of the budget... Uh, fifty to seventy puppeteers and a year of visual film, a year of visual effects work, uh, to make the twelve minutes of footage that they cut. Wow, <laughs> it's crazy. wow. Number five, Superman returns. Uh, the original introduction to that film, the beginning of that film, what cost them twelve million dollars to make, and it was actually sort of a montage that explained why, that, that explained the story of Superman crashing. On mom pause, and at <clears throat> some point, Brian Singer said, "You know what? Uh, as beautiful, and apparently, this footage is very, very pretty, uh, and you can actually watch this footage online if you Google it. Uh, but apparently, it was it was simply cut because after watching the film, Brian Singer said, how many times do we have to find out how Superman came to Earth?' Fair, absolutely fair. Number four: The Man Who Killed Don Quixote." the entire movie Oh no was shot for $22 million uh, back in the year 2000 Terry Gilliam took Johnny Depp and uh, the entire cast and crew to Madrid Spain and they filmed, they filmed this movie The Man Who Killed Don Quixote <clears throat> um, and uh, the area was right next to uh, a big military base so recording sound was a pain in the butt and uh, there was a flood that washed away most of their equipment. Uh, and then once the flood was gone, all of the landscape was a different color because all of the topsoil had been washed away. Um, and, uh, and every time one of the actors was on a horse, he was wincing because he was, uh, he had a herniated disc. And so after all of this, um, basically Terry Gilliam was like, uh, no. And the studio was like, uh, no. And the whole film was just scrapped. To this day, Terry Gilliam says he will still make this movie. Um, And uh, it was featured in a... There's a movie movie called Lost in La Mancha. Mm -hmm. And it is a documentary about this movie that never was. Huh. So Neat. Yeah, kind of interesting. Number three, X-Men Days of Future Past. All of Rogue's scenes. (laughs) Wow. They they spent $22.6 million filming Anna Paquin doing uh, all of these different things in the movie as Rogue, and uh, um, with a runtime of 2 hours and 30 minutes, they decided, you know, if we have to cut 20 minutes out of this, we're just going to have to remove a whole character. And so there went Rogue. Wow. Um, Interestingly enough, you can see this footage because on Blu-ray, when they released Days of Future Past, there's a Blu-ray called Days of Future Past, the Rogue Edition and it has all of the rogue stuff added back in. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Number two, World War Z. The entire last third of the film was reshot. This cost them $26 million. The original ending was really, really dark. Brad Pitt's plane lands in Russia. He ends up recruited into the Russian zombie-fighting army. Uh, And uh, how this was ever approved by Hollywood executives, I have no idea, but uh, his wife and daughters ended up uh, like trading sex for a place to live and be safe, and like all this crazy stuff. And uh, um, yeah, audiences didn't like that. So they reached it
0: enough. You know, that was like an incredibly difficult book to put, like a
1: complicated <coughs> book to try to make into a movie to yeah. begin with. Yep. And like,
0: you know, you gotta stop while you're at it.
1: Right. Um, now, this is actually the most expensive piece of film to never be seen by the public wow so but the number one most expensive deleted scene was uh, from Cleopatra uh, way back in 1963 starring uh, is it Joan Crawford or Elizabeth Taylor Elizabeth Taylor Taylor. Liz Taylor and uh, uh, they reshot a third of the movie for (laughs) 120.5 million (laughs) dollars that's like insane wow Um, it never, it was the the largest box office success of 1963 and has never made its budget back. Wow. (laughs) And a lot of that is because 120 million of it, um, never made it on the screen. Uh, basically it was, it was just a, a terrible shoot, um. You know, the the sets were were built in London and then they were torn down and had to be rebuilt in Rome because they were forced to relocate. And Elizabeth Taylor, you know... Almost almost died. Elizabeth Taylor. Well, no, she almost died on set. So Um, she says. Yeah. But the original cut of this film ended up being six hours long. Yeah. And so the director, Joseph Mankiewicz, uh, cut it down to the three-hour version that ended up in theaters. Um, And eventually, you know, now you can... See, there's a four hour version of it, and there's currently efforts underway to actually restore the original six hour cut for a Blu ray release. But uh, yeah, $121 million, and not a penny of it ended up on screen. Well, when we come back, we're going to try to restore the original six hour version of this podcast. That's right, and it's only going to cost us 82 cents. It's
0: okay because I've decided to cut the scenes where you and Mrs. Slinky are fighting. I
1: think that's a great idea. I mean, that's 82.
0: one third of the movie. Who's
1: Mrs. Slinky? I'm Wait just, a minute. <laughs> well, when I said it cost 82 cents, it's because it's like 40 cents of Rob, 40 cents of Slinky, and then AMC Mike's two cents. Yeah. <laughs> it's
2: the only time I get in it.
1: <laughs> you're listening to Let's Camera Cleveland, and if you're really good, we'll be right back. And we're Back, you listen to
0: Lights Camera Cleveland. I don't believe it. It's true. AMC Mike is here. I am. Slinky's here. The and I'm back. That joke never goes. That joke <laughs> never goes. Every time you uh, think it'll work, we've been doing this like many years, and that joke just doesn't ever hit. You know, there's no teaching you
1: though. Everyone's a critic. Well, we are. On this show. okay that joke flew it's time for the big news this is the part of the show where we have scoured the interwebs looking for everything that is going on in the film industry right now uh, that we think people care about Boil boil it down to the top three or four stories we boil it down like a fine ratatouille and we share it with you like it was a great cinematic southern boil I'm for that I'm for that so Sleeky, what do we have in the big news today? You're kind of like the corn on the cob. AMC Mike. <laughs> Could you I do the big news, please? I don't even know what that means. I don't, I don't either. I don't
0: even know what you mean sometimes. I'm the and crawfish. I'm going to start saying, oh, you're talking about in our southern boil? Yeah. In our southern boil? You're the crawfish. I'm the crawfish. The on the cob? Yeah. Wouldn't you, I mean, like, I look I look gross, but I taste pretty all right. What you're going for I don't think she did either kind of just out of nowhere it was hey, MC Mike you know you're the corn on the cob I was like is this a new thing uh-huh. is this what the kids are saying these days it's <laughs> boy, <Slinky. laughs> it's on fleck boy slinky fleck. slinky, slinky. Fleck. some fleck. corn fleck. On the fleek that
1: slinky's the corn on the cob <sighs> you know I, I just like the fact that we're uh, we're creating new catchphrases that's races. the corn on the cob if I ever heard it Saw so it. anybody want some big news yeah, man. Please. First up, Axel F. up on the screen again.
0: <laughs> I know you work hard
1: on these things. I'm affirming you. All right. Paramount just signed Belgian directors Adil El Arib and uh, Bilal Falah. Those are the two guys that directed that, that really big indie film uh, that's getting all those awards black. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just signed them to direct Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop 4. Uh, more than two decades after Beverly Hills Cop Three, is Eddie Murphy in an old folks home. What is now, this? Well, you know, you have to remember, Paramount tried to they tried to launch uh, Beverly Hills Cop Four a few years ago, and it didn't go. And then they decided, well, let's do it as a TV show, and we'll do it where like Axel F is now, Axel Foley is now the police chief, and we'll cast like his son and the you know as the focus of the show and. And the TV show they made, I think they made a pilot, but I'm not certain, but it didn't get picked up. Uh, and so now they are trying to push it as a movie again. Um, Jerry Bruckheimer is, is producing it. He produced the first two of the three uh, films. And uh, uh, perhaps the most surprising piece of all of this news is that the three Beverly Hills Cop films combined grossed $735 million worldwide. Chew. It's crazy. So there you go. I'm for it. I
2: just
0: eh.
1: I'm for it. Do we need it? Do we ah, want it? Ah, listen, that's true of like almost all movies now. Here's my here's my where I'm torn. All right? Are you ready? Yeah. Eddie Murphy is past the playing multiple characters and one of them is in a fat suit. Stage of his comedy career, like he's
2: actually come back around a little.
1: Has he, or has he? That's he what you're told, not. right? That's what you're saying. He hasn't. Like how, how? Maybe, how, maybe how that's how does, what, he,
0: how does he come back?
1: Right. Is this is this the way to come back, or from or that? is he playing multiple characters in this? <laughs> in fat suits. At least maybe once maybe fat he's suit. like arresting himself. Right. And speaking of which, by the way, some irony. Uh, how about freaking, uh, uh, Medea, beginning his career. <laughs> in a fat yeah. suit, instead of ending. <laughs> maybe I think I wonder if that's why. Uh, what's his name? Tyler Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. I think that's why maybe Tyler Perry created Medea is because he thought if I just start nip there, this in the bud. it's all uphill. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Six seasons in a Spider-Man movie. Uh, community alumni Donald Glover has just been announced as joining the Spider-Man Homecoming cast. Uh, it was confirmed to Variety. Uh, Tom Holland's playing Spider-Man. Of course, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be in there as Tony Stark uh, and Iron Man because Marvel movies all have to be crossovers now because none of their characters are apparently strong enough well, to it, up their own film. Well,
2: Iron Man is now the Wolverine.
1: Yeah. He's got to be in it, you know. Uh, John Watts is directing, which is interesting because John Watts is like, the only thing that he's directed that's been big uh, <clears throat> is really nothing. And so it's kind of interesting that they've went with the Nobody director. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see what he can do. And of course, Marissa Tomei is coming back as Aunt May. What do you guys think of Tom Holland as Spider-Man? Did you, have, have you seen Civil War, Rob? I haven't seen it, so okay. I
0: can't I can't speak to it. I've heard
1: good things. What do you think? He was, it was
2: okay. I mean, like, <laughs> I the problem, I, I really like, who was the one that did it before him? Andrew,
1: Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I I really liked him a lot. The folks at home couldn't, <laughs> couldn't see. Was, I mean, she said with the hair, she she took her fingers and flailed flailed them above her forehead well, like he a is, chicken.
2: He he is kind of like a chicken. Like no, he, it was funny. You know,
1: it was funny. but
2: um. I really liked his... Um, his Peter? His Peter a lot. And we didn't uh, get to see... I well just did you. that. Yeah, yeah. We I just did this
1: that.
0: Sky high. <laughs> high. Are we, we going to go with those kind of jokes? <laughs> I can throw <laughs> no, down no, with those kind of no, jokes. One was, that one was, it was just highbrow. It was enough. just right there. It that was, was not highbrow. highbrow enough. Enough. Listen, It was just <laughs> right there on the edge. I'm just
2: <laughs> saying, I like Peter. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, he was okay, but there was, like, I didn't, like, walk out of there and go, that was the
1: greatest, you know. You, you know, um, my my problem with him actually wasn't the actor. I was okay with Tom Holland. I felt like all of the Spider-Man scenes felt very carefully constructed in such a way that it was really difficult for them to be plausible. Like, there's a, yeah. a whole, if you've not seen the movie, this is your own fault, you should have by now. But there's this whole sequence that takes place inside Peter Parker's bedroom where Peter and Tony Stark are talking. And, like, they kind of reveal a little bit about who Peter Parker is in this version and what his life is like in this version. And it just all felt manufactured. Like, it was this perfect little bow wrapped around this perfect little thing so that it was exactly what we wanted it to be in a way that's not really possible to But in a way that
2: would... Easily fed into the universe, yeah. and that
1: Tony could do what he did. It just bo- it bothered yeah. me uh, that, and I think that his voice is, is really high pitched and sounds kind of funny. So it was always hard for me to really grasp the fact that it was a CGI grown man as Spider Man talking with his little kids. But voice. like
2: that didn't actually that didn't bother me because that grounded you in the fact that he was still a kid. And th- was still a teenager, and especially I with think the they lines. They should have
1: made him smaller.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm just saying, like his voice didn't bother me. His lack of giant
1: hair did. Yeah, we still don't know if uh, if Danny Glover's going to be playing Miles Morales or not. So uh-huh. we'll, we'll see what happens with that. That's good stuff. Uh, that uh, that last, makes me happy. Last bit of big news: The Fast and the Geriatric. Yeah, Helen Mirren was is in final neg- negotiations to join the Fast and the Furious Eight. Um, Helen Mirren whom I best remember as the host of Documentary Now Uh, she is uh, confirmed with Elle Magazine and other sources that she is basically ready she's just waiting for the final deal to come through and she is joining Fast and Furious 8 uh, with Charlize Theron and Scott Eastwood and Vin Diesel and The Rock and Ludacris and Kurt Russell and Jason Statham and Tyrese Gibson and everyone else in Hollywood
0: <laughs> <laughs> she really is the grand dame right now. She, she strangely, she's doing she is. it so well, and she's made super smart choices. And this will be something that happens down the road, where once again we have a podcast, and we have to remind the whole world, like these movies aren't that bad, right? Like it keeps happening over, like it happens over and over again. Like if you take out Tokyo Drift, which, like, like here's the deal: at this point, they've made eight. You can have a stinker. But, but kinda, even I, but even then, Tokyo Drift's not bad. But but what I mean is the others are good. But I kind of feel like
2: Tokyo Drift is like Highlander two. They just go. <laughs> it doesn't count.
1: Right. Well, right. but they, it does though because but, yeah, they've they've worked in the bad guy from that film.
2: Okay, but you know what I'm I was making. Right.
1: The,
0: no, on. I feel what you're saying. Okay, I feel what you're saying. I think though, and I feel what Slinky was saying too. He didn't he didn't quite. You didn't quite get where you were headed with it but like the thing is these are all like like when it comes to action adventure films do you remember charlie's angels you remember yeah it? when they came out like yeah you right and you go to see that thing and all of a sudden you're like wait a minute these action sequences are every bit as good as the james bond films oh wait a minute these girls are really pretty funny oh wait a minute Like you, you remember, and it's like through the whole film you were like they're not giving me anything to hate I thought I was going into this right. thing that, and I was going to really really hate it except for I left and I went no all of that was funny Like it was just self-depreciating enough it was just self-aware enough the, the action sequences were for real that's the deal with these Fast and Furious films is they're all solid <coughs> A minus films <laughs> but you gotta an A minus is still an A
1: bro Right? right, they're not
0: B films, like they they really are. I would say Tokyo Drift is a B film, you know, and I mean B as a grade, not B as in like a horror film, right? right. Or B, you know, B Because I'd like, be in then, right? But but this is the thing: is like it's not that weird that Helen Mirren wants to be in this, and especially now with Paul Walker being dead, now it's a tribute issue to every, you know, pretty much Hollywood has agreed the dude was pretty great. Like, right. he's a great dude and a nice guy. Like, none of the horrible stories have come out after his passing about the, the evil things he did. He was right. an actual, for real, Hollywood insider good guy. Right. Right? So now, it's like anyone who knew him that's done anything with their career now is going to want to be in these things forever. And if you're at eight, why stop? Like, make ten. Right. You know what I mean? Like, make it the James Bond of car films. Right. And, and just be okay with that so anyway I know we're not hating or grading, and obviously there's no trailer for it yet and there's none of that it just it makes me laugh because I don't know if you saw that um, you know we've got buddies here in town who have the screeners podcast and uh, Chad Guyton who's one of those guys one of the founders of the screeners his brother Brandon and was going back and forth with me over these films again and I was like you're forgetting like you're not watching the movie you know what I mean like go in and watch them They don't suck. Right. The first one does not suck. It's pretty good. You know. (laughs) So I I mean, and I went into them wanting to not like them. Right. So so that's it. So there you go. That's the big news. That's the big news. Uh, After this, you know, we're gonna have someone back who's not been around in a while. Really. So I I mean, we someone besides us. Yeah, someone besides us. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, he'll be here to make everybody smile. With his shirt <laughs> We're back. Are you okay there? <laughs> <laughs> We're back You're listening to Lights Camera in Cleveland I'm Rob Alderman With me as always my stalwart traveling companion AMC Mike With her as always the Hollywood Slinky I am with her as always <laughs> And uh Carrie what's going on? AMC Mike, tell us what's up next.
2: Well, it's been a long time, but I reached out and I was able to get our correspondent overseas, all the way in Sweden. We have carrot cake on the line. I can't
0: believe this. Carrot cake is back with another review. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: you okay there, Carrie it's,
1: it's already so tired.
2: Warcraft! Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: glad it sounded like a Warcraft movie. Right? Not a perfect movie, by a long shot. Though, not as terrible as a lot of people suggest that it is. With very stunning CGI and effects, even the 3D looks good. With my shirt off. (laughs) The parts that aren't involving the orcs and other CGI elements do not look quite as good nor feel as organic, which is a bit ironic. Much like me, with my shirt off. A lot of the human character fell flat or just miscast. It feels like this... Split in attention isn't evenly divided. It can be hard to follow along, as for those that do not know the game, can have a hard time following along with what is going on. Though the fan service is well done, and without really taking away too much from the plot itself, or from me with my shirt off. With this said, even if you do not know the game, you can still enjoy the movie. As I know several that has no clue about the world or too much about gaming, but still manage to enjoy the movie for what it was. The pacing and jumping between scenes does at times feel a bit abrupt or unnecessary though the big battles and all similar scenes are quite well done with a lot of attention to detail and easter eggs spread around all the time what it does well (laughs) it does really well while the things that they do worse just doesn't work it runs in a fine middle ground, but with a lot to build on for a new franchise. Like me. With my shirt off.
0: Oh. <laughs> you know. He's like a sweaty Hispanic Christopher Walken.
1: So. Which he's none of those things. No, That's why, those why it's things. funny. He's none of those things. I think of him as a Swedish Michael Mann. Or it's Michael Moore. Michael Moore. <laughs> the Swedish Aww, one. Just Moore. sweaty. Hey, that's just the
0: sweaty. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of sweaty, we'll be back with thank our final segment. Thank you.
1: Hey, Carrot more. Cake, thank you. Whoa. Whoa shut up. <laughs> Car-
0: carrot Cake, thank you. She's like, Carrot Cake, thank you.
1: Thank you, Carrot Cake.
0: <laughs> Before this <laughs> you can get any worse. You can
1: put your shirt back on now. We're off the air. <laughs> You're listening to Lights Camera Cleveland, and we will be right back with uh, our final segment forever? No, it's kind of, we're kind of like, it's kind of like the Human Centipede podcast. Our final segment (laughs) is (laughs) coming up. No! We'll be back. And we're back, and you're back, and you're back, and I'm back, and we're (laughs) back on Lights Camera Cleveland. I'm glad to be
0: back. I'm glad to be back. (sighs) You know what time it is? What time
1: is it, my friend? It's time for the pre
0: Review, review. Yes,
1: this is the time of the podcast where we have scoured the interwebs. We scour twice. We do. We it's do. kind of do like wash scours. This time we scour wash, the interwebs.
0: Uh, right, yeah. There's a couple.
1: Scours. We find yeah. out everything that's starting at theaters this coming Friday, and we watch every trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We watch all of the reviews. Yes. We read all the articles. Mm-hmm. And we don't see the film. No. Which, of course, enables us to tell you, the listener, whether or not right. this film will be something you should hate yep. or something that will be great. Right. So, henceforth, let it be known that this is the preview review. Well, let's dive right in. This is the thing what we've known for. Is Indeedly-doodle. Um, I'm going to start with a little one that's just kind of a limited release that we can just talk about really quick. Uh, but there's a limited release of a documentary called Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made that's coming out. Um, this is a documentary that's about these two kids who are now adults uh, who spent their entire childhood recreating Raiders of the Lost Ark, 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 Ark by shot Ark. for yeah. shot yeah. Uh, in their mom's basement in their backyard. Um, and uh, it's a pretty incredible thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and it opens in limited release. This this week i am one of the
0: people who is lucky enough to have seen most of this and i think you remember it may be two years ago now on the podcast when i was like holy cow i found the most crazy thing i've ever seen on the internet Uh, and all i can say is like if you can go see this you should. Like, I give and, it, like, a billion greats.
1: And here's the best part. For those of you who are actually in the Cleveland and Chattanooga area, right, yeah, you can go see this. Uh, there is a new uh, little indie art house theater started by our buddy Chris Dortch. He's the guy who started the Chattanooga Film Festival. Uh, and it's called Cinerama. And the Cinerama is actually showing a double feature uh, they're showing Raiders the story of the greatest fan film ever made. And then they are actually showing the fan film right. that the kids made. Oh, that's and great. even even better, one of the two kids, uh, Eric Zala, is going to be there to do a Q&A afterwards. Uh, and all that's on July 27th. If you guys want to go see that, uh, the tickets I think are like 18 bucks. but you can get more information. Talk about worth it, though. I, yeah. I mean... Listen,
0: I've seen a bunch of this. I've seen uh, like a bunch of clips of the original film. I've seen a bunch of clips of the documentary. And I, I mean, I was astounded. You guys remember. It's, i think, It's really cool. And it's just a neat human story about them and their friendship. Because, you know, when they start this film, they're young right. Right, as kids are. Uh, and they grow. And they don't grow together. You know? right. They're like growing apart as people. And so it's, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating uh, thing. So... I give, it a, I give it a great.
1: And I, I grade. No, yeah, absolutely agree. So if you want to see this, uh, you can go to thecinerama.org, uh, or you can go to facebook.com slash sceniccitycinerama, uh, and you can find out more uh, about seeing that on July 27th. So anyway, that's just like a really cool little thing that's happening locally, and uh, please go support The Cinerama, because it's such a great thing that Chris is doing down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so, and, and as a side note, Chris Dorch is also the guy who does the Maison Seensters, uh, which is the little thing that care, that, uh, AMC Mike here, Carrie, uh, goes to from time to time with Movie Todd to see like the quirky little old films and, or, er, and quirky little new films. So, uh, all right. Uh, one more limited release, Swiss Army Man. This one stars Dan Kwan and, uh, uh, I'm so, bleh, sorry. This one call, stars Paul Dano and yeah. Daniel Radcliffe. It's directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Uh, but this is basically about a homeless guy who gets stranded in the wilderness, and he befriends a dead body, and together they go on a fantastical journey. Um, Daniel Radcliffe is Weekend at Bernie's. Basically, is what this is, uh, and it looks fantastic.
2: This this movie. I saw the preview for it, the trailer for it, a few months ago. Yeah, it's was quite a while ago. And I posted it on my Facebook, and I was like, this is going to be the greatest movie that comes out this summer, and I'm holding true to it. It looks magical, and there, there's wonder in it. Um, you know, Daniel Radcliffe is farting, and it's hysterical, and there's just... And the, the physical comedy just looks great. I, 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 I'm I super psyched about this movie. So you're hating it? Oh, yeah! no. I'm grading it.
1: Well, <laughs> I,
0: I'll go next. Um, in that, as we were sitting down to watch the trailers for this, AMC Mike was like, this is going to be the greatest film that comes out this year. And I made the comment, which I still hold to, you, that you guys are pretty easy to hang out with because you either love something all the way or you hate it all the way, but like, there's no great. Or there's no gray, rather. And I... So, I went into this thinking, uh, you know, well, AMC Mike says it's, like, the greatest thing ever. What does that mean? Right? Because, like, whatever she's done that makes her happy is the greatest thing ever lately. And then I was watching it, and I was like, this is the greatest thing (laughs) ever. (laughs) And so, I mean, like, I I was... um, Even the music is, like, amazing. Yeah, there's this really rare place in movies where when you see something even in a trailer, you know you're watching something really, really special. I remember the one uh the, the film about um the guy who's like puts an ad in the newspaper that says uh it's it's oh, safety, safety, no safety not guaranteed. Yeah. When I saw that trailer I was like, this is something really, really special. You know what I mean? And um There's a few other... Where the Wild Things Are struck me that same way. It's just, you know you're watching something that is unlike anything you've seen, and somehow, gloriously, the script made it far enough you get to see it. Right. Right? Like, no studio killed it for being great. Right. This movie, I give a billion greats. This might be my favorite trailer that we've reviewed in two years. Just, and, and, uh, I keep, I watched so it in the Nick. last
1: three shows, <laughs> yeah,
0: but, but 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 uh, but for real, like I, I just I couldn't wrap my mind around. There was some stuff that was going on in there that was clearly magical. Magical is like the only word. I mean, and you know, as you're watching it, what's the one? What's the the um, Michael? Is it Michael Rapaport Rapp- who does the film where he's not on his meds and so he believes he's a superhero? Oh, I can't remember. What is the name and of it? And his meds are, right, and he's, he's fighting evil. Yeah. And I mean, you watch you the, the whole film from his, his perspective, and so there's, like, all this, like, fantastical superhero stuff that's going on. Yeah. It was kind of like that. Like, you know, okay, this dude is stranded, and he's going crazy with this dead body. Right? Right. But to see the dead body interacting, you don't care, right? Right, right?
1: and that's how that Rappaport film was. So I give it all the all the greats. I'm just tickled by Daniel Radcliffe. Yes, like there's just something about him just going, "All right, I'm serious actor now, so I can do this," you know? Like, (laughs) and he (laughs) does, and he does, and it's fantastic. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna grade it also. And and there's, I mean, I could say I could sit here and repeat what you guys have said, but I mean, so good, yeah. Uh, next up Finding Dory the new Pixar film Uh, this is uh, a sequel to Finding Nemo this one has Ellen DeGeneres coming back as the lovable but forgetful Dory searching for her um searching for her family Uh, it also stars Albert Brooks Ed O'Neill, um and uh what do you think Robbo you know it's so
0: hard to vote against anything that is Pixar related um With that said, let me say, I'm going to give this film a great because I believe in Ellen DeGeneres and I believe in the Pixar crew. There's nothing about the trailer, though, that has made me feel like this is going to... You know, earlier tonight we were talking about the top top Pixar films of all time. There's nothing about this that makes me feel like we're about to enter the upper echelon. Right. I feel like we're going right down the middle maybe. Sure. Like it's not going to be bad as A Bug's Life but it's not going to be Toy Story. Yeah. And that's and that's a shame because remember I said I would put Finding Nemo in my top five. And so like I, I really felt like the very first Finding Nemo was really beautiful. I mean it had the most crushing moment outside of Up. Right? Like I mean it's, a, I mean, it's, it's really intense uh, and then beautiful. Right? Um, so but in the same way like not because of Dory right that's the thing is that in the film Dory does a great uh, a great like funny slapstick sidekick thing so how's this gonna be as your main character? I just don't know so it's a barely a great for me
2: I'm gonna uh I'll step up next uh I'm actually gonna go the same route Rob is but I'm gonna barely hate it I don't like Dory as a character. I love Ellen. I I, I think she's very funny, but yeah, the Ellen's character funny
0: and good for the world.
2: Yes, but but Dory the character grates on me, and the idea of the entire movie being centered around her like m- makes me cringe. Yeah, you know I'm sure kids will love it, but I just
1: yeah. I kind of think that the fact that you're just a hair on the hate and you're just a hair on the great. I feel like th- that is really the the crux of this film. Like it just feels like it's just right up the middle. Yeah. Um. You know, if we if if we hate greater men, you know, I think we probably yeah, we, we all we would we give it a man. Yeah. Um. So having to be the tiebreaker, uh, I've got to say that Finding Nemo is fantastic. Um, yeah. There is some really great footage online. They released today a little making of featurette about how they did the octopus. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they wanted to do an octopus in Finding Nemo, and the technology. There's a bunch of math involved in what's what they call the rolling elbow that uh, a tentacle okay, has. Sure. Um, you know where it looks like the elbow just rolls from the body down to the mm-hmm. end of the tentacle as it as it bends. Um, and uh, there was a bunch of math in that, and computers couldn't do it when Finding Nemo came out. And so that's why uh, the sidekick in this film is an octopus, is because now for the first time they're able to do it and they're, you know, excited. Playing, excited with, the new toys, playing with the new toys. Yeah, that's what Pixar does. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's Dory, you know, and she's, she's the perfect secondary character. So, what happens when you make her the star? Well, I kind of think what happens when you make the secondary character the primary character is that she stays the secondary character and you bring in an octopus to be the primary yeah, and except you've named the movie after her right. so I, I i have those worries, so I'm gonna actually i think uh this one's hard because i'm really I'm really right at the middle, but I think at the end of the night, I'm gonna air just on the side uh with a m c Mike and, and just barely. Barely hate it. There you go. There you go. Uh, and last up is Central Intelligence. Uh, this one is about Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who reunites with an old high school pal through Facebook. Uh, his old his old high school pal happens to be Kevin Hart, who is an accountant, and of course uh, the Rock is a CIA agent, and uh, the two of them end up in a world of espionage where Kevin Hart is a crazy fish out of water and uh, The Rock is wacky. Right. What are you going to give it, Ryan? You know, I've got to tell you, <laughs> Slinky. Sorry we, that I used your name. We know I have a long history of dislike for Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ride Along. I'm a little sorry that we weren't podcasting when Ride Along Two came out this past summer, <laughs> because I'd have brought in, I would have brought in Kenny and made Kenny do the podcast with us just so that we could have done uh, scenes from that film. Right. Um, but having said that. Uh, I actually think this could be the very first Kevin Hart movie that I like. And I actually think that I'm not going to just like it. I think I'm going to love it. Um, every time I see the trailer, I see something that makes me laugh. And isn't that really all we need from a comedy? Um, it's kind of a, kind of a lowbrow pitch, you yeah. know? It's, uh, you know, the, the, the fat kid from school has grown up to be the big, muscular espionage Have guy. Have I seen a
2: different trailer than you guys?
1: Maybe. May because
2: there's a twist that they release in one of the trailers.
1: Okay. Well, I don't know that I want to know. Okay. I, I won't say it. Okay. Go on. But I think I think it looks great. So there you go. What about you, AMC Mike? Um.
2: Well, I won't say the twist.
1: Then. we've not seen the same trailer. Yeah. Because um, I've seen a ton of commercials.
2: It's it's a pretty obvious twist. Nice. Um. And I think this movie looks ridiculous. And awesome. Um, I think that uh, The Rock is hysterical. Yeah.
1: Well, who would have ever thought, if you had said 15 years ago that The Rock was going to be an acting force to be reckoned with, we would have all laughed and went, oh yeah, the Scorpion King.
2: Or or more importantly, that he'd be a comedian. Or that he'd be great. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And... I actually ag- agree with you, Slinky, as well, on the uh, the Kevin Hart thing, where this is going to be the first movie, but I think the reason that this is one of the first movies that he looks good in is because he's playing the straight man.
1: I don't know that Kevin Hart can ever play a straight man. Though. Okay, you know what I mean, though. Straight, please don't.
2: <laughs> Do not wake our child up. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm grading this. I think it looks awesome.
0: I think y'all are both... Uh, completely on base here. Um, I kept waiting for him to be, like, on crack. Yeah, I know. I was like, no, 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 here's the We're deal. Wrong. Here, the, well, I think it's funny. I think all three of us kind of thought, if I go first, I'll be the first person to say it's going to be great. <laughs> I thought I was going to see two <laughs> eights. I did. I thought I was going to see two eights. The thing is, like, every once in a while, an actor kind of comes into his own and gets just the right nuances that the things that made him funny are there, and the stuff that made him annoying are gone. And that's where Kevin Hart is now. He's toned down the shtick enough that, like, the thing that's funny about his manic, funny, black American shtick, right, is still funny. Right. But the thing that was overbearing about it is gone. And if you've watched, like, all these films, it's gotten just a little better. And just a little better. And the difference is, like, The Rock has, like, completely owned his camp. Right, right. right. Like he did, which isn't surprising because he did as a professional wrestler, right? Yeah. yeah. But like he's gotten really good at it, and somehow they ground each other in this buddy thing in a way that is like that one step better than when it was Ice Cube.
1: It's almost like (laughs) they they are both too over the top for this movie to be believable by themselves. Yeah. But when you put them together, their over the topness. Are opposites, and so it pulls them back center.
0: Yeah, it reminds me a bit of uh, the Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg film, where the other guys, the other guys, where yeah. I was like, "How's this going to work?" And it oh, it's going to be
1: hysterical. <laughs> yeah. And then it was, it was unbelievably funny. Right? This movie's going to be unbelievably funny. I give it a great. All right. Well, there you have it. So, everybody, go out and see. Uh, everything we talked about. Except for maybe Finding Dora. But unless you decide that you're going to take your kid. Then yeah, Then definitely go see Finding Dora.
2: Yeah, don't take your kid to see Swiss Army Man.
1: No. <laughs> no, probably not. No. Well, that's fantastic. That's it. And until next time, I'm Rob and I love movies. I'm AMC Mike and I love movies. I'm the Hollywood Slinky and I love movies. Let's, Let's all, all love, love movies together. Movies together.